welcome back to another episode of Zoomer Boomer, the weekly podcast where an almost Zoomer, my friend Molly, and a not quite Boomer, me, discuss the intergenerational differences and similarities, and we get to know each other in the process. Hey, Mal, how you doing? Hey, Jim, I'm good, and I'll be especially good by the time you listeners hear this episode because it's my birthday. Oh my goodness. How many many years old are you? I am 24 years old today, (sighs) future me. That makes me really old. We're not going to talk about it. Got big plans for your birthday weekend? Yes. So by the time this airs, I'm going to be in Asheville roaming about in the woods. Roaming in the woods? Are you staying in a cabin? What are you doing? Staying in an Airbnb, hopefully nice. going to do some hikes, but let's not talk about my birthday the whole time, but the last I thing I want to add, <laughs> the last thing I want to add about my birthday is that I share a birthday with none other than Beyonce, so oh. I feel like that says a lot. <laughs> it does. It does say a lot. Tell us what we're going to talk about today, Mo. Today, we're going to talk about the work week. That is the 40-hour work week. That is the nine to five. (laughs) Oh, yeah, as Dolly Parton would say. And we're going to talk about productivity as well. Speaking of nine to five, the movie, uh, at my request for suggestion, you actually watched it. And what did you think of the movie? Oh, well, you know, I'm really glad you gave me some homework because I actually liked it. I love the dynamic between... Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda, and to see Dolly Parton thrown into the mix, it kind of just made it all the more funnier. That movie, <clears throat> I'm really glad that you recommended it, Jim, because it kind of kickstarts uh, into the topic of this podcast, which is working that nine to five life. And for those of you listening, I think it's important that you know that I don't really know Jim. <laughs> Who is this man? I have no idea. No, I mean, I I have an understanding of who Jim is, and we've met in person pre-COVID for work events, but I only know Jim for what his current occupation is now, which is um, you're the owner, right, of Macbeth Studios in Orlando, Florida, which is a photography and portrait studio. They also do videography, and I really don't know much about your past, I know that you haven't been here forever in Orlando, and I know that you weren't always at Macbeth. So I guess my question is, I want to learn about your past, and what was your first job? How did you start off in the working world? I was a senior in high school, and we had a job board, uh, some bulletin board in the school. And by bulletin board, I mean an actual cork board with pieces of paper thumbtacked to it. (laughs) I'm familiar. (laughs) Okay. And... All through middle school and high school, I had tropical fish. And the local pet store at the mall had a sign up on our job board that said tropical fish specialist needed. And I applied for that job and I got hired. And so I worked at Petland at the mall, which was the store directly next to the arcade. What was that application like? Did you have to (laughs) come in and you had all your fish with you? Nope. In a Tupperware? Nope. I, I didn't have to prove that I even owned fish. Petland was a national chain. I don't even mm-hmm. know if there's any left these days, but I was hired as the tropical fish specialist. But what I ended up being was the weekend kennel cleaner. And I had to come in on Saturdays and Sundays before the store opened and make sure that all the cats and dogs had clean kennels. 
which mm-hmm. and the birds and the ferrets and the snakes and everybody else you know like the stable boy basically i had to go in and clean and were you expecting that it doesn't sound like it It sounds like you thought you were gonna get to be around all these fish and i saw myself as a consultant and when somebody came in looking for a new uh you know neon tetra or a garami or an angel fish or something Uh i'd be like well, we have seven varieties and would you like (laughs) some that came from this lake in africa or would you prefer i knew my fish stuff i Mm -hmm. was i was an expert and it turns out i was cleaning out kennels shoveling so what were those hours like Uh, those weekends from like eight to four and then Mm -hmm. once in a while after school but mostly i was a weekend employee because i was still in i was still in high school yeah yeah true yeah that job lasted me about six months maybe (laughs) So you were dipping your toe in the water of yeah. the nine-to-five life. Do you want to know what my first nine-to-five job was? Please. I was a photographer for a local newspaper. All the way came back full circle. I'm a photographer now. But then it was taking pictures on film with my, with my little SLR camera, mm-hmm. taking them back to the darkroom, developing the film, printing the photos, and giving them to the guys that made the plates to print the newspaper with. When you were a photographer for the local newspaper, did you just follow the news crew? Or did they say, hey, we're going to do a story on this. Can you go on to this location and get a few shots? Yeah, I kind of was the news crew. Basically, I would get assignments and they would say, hey, there's going to be a, a grand opening of a, I don't know, subdivision. And there's mm-hmm. going to be some people out there in hard hats and shovels. And we want you to go mm-hmm. take a picture of them when they do that. And then take down the names, write them down in your little notebook, come back, develop the picture and write the caption for the photo. And then someone mm-hmm. else, some reporter would write the article about the, about the thing, but he'd do most of his work on the phone. Cause of course there was no Google or internet. Yeah. So it was calling people and getting information. And, and how old out. were you when you started that job? I just graduated from high school, so that was the summer of 1984, so I was 18. So the job as the newspaper photographer, how long did that last? And were those, I mean, I'm sure a lot of those hours were, as you'd call it, in the field because you're physically going to sites and taking pictures, but at that point in time, were you experiencing the office life as well? No. uh you know, that was, I, I called it a nine to five because those were kind of the hours that I had to report into work, but those were spent either on location, photographing people or buildings or mm-hmm. stuff. And then back in the dark room, working by myself, developing and printing pictures for the newspaper mm-hmm. guys to print. So it was a very flexible, it was a, an interesting job. It was not a desk job. It was not come in at nine, sit at your desk for eight mm-hmm. hours and then go home. I don't think I've ever had a job. You never have. See, to me, that that makes me a little jealous. (laughs) And I'm young, so I I haven't even had as much job experience as you. However, I feel like already in the few jobs I've had, you are living, you've already had cooler jobs than me. (laughs) Fish specialist. Yeah, you really wanted that one, I know. (laughs) And well, I mean, I think that what makes me, you know, quote unquote, jealous is really just, I love the idea of not sitting at a desk and being able to go into the field, to go out and interact with people, taking photos. Yeah. And I think that's partly because I'm, I was born too early, but I probably would have been diagnosed with ADHD if I'd been born later. But at the time I was just a 
there's still distracted time. kids. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the problem, I mean, I'm sure I'm, I suffer from it, but when I was, they hadn't invented it when I was a kid in school. And, and so but, yeah. I was just a problem child. They, oh, God. they didn't know what to call it. I was just distracted and always interrupting mm -hmm. other people because I have a very short attention span and I'm, I'm get bored really quickly. And mm -hmm. so I don't think that I could survive a job at a desk nine to five, mm -hmm. Monday to Friday. Mm -hmm. I, I would lose my mind. Also, I'm influenced by the fact that ever since I was about eight years old, my dad worked from home. He was a freelance cartoonist. So I wow. watched him t doing his own thing and setting his own hours and being his own boss from as early as I can remember. Mm -hmm. So I, dad didn't like get up in the morning, put on a suit and tie, get in the car and leave for eight hours. He just yeah. grabbed a cup of tea and went into his studio and started drawing pictures. Oh, I love that. So, and, and what about your mom? Mom was a pretty much a stay at home mom with a few exceptions. Much later in life, after I'd left home, she got a job at Walmart because she's a seamstress and she loved sewing. Mm -hmm. So she worked in the fabric department, which meant she could be around other people who were also sewing people. And then she could also get deals on fabrics and bring them home and yeah. make stuff, which is what she always wanted to do anyway. So mom's, um, mom's seamstressing. I know when she was young, she had a factory job doing that, sewing coats or jackets mm -hmm. or something. But um, I guess both my parents were kind of unusual in the working world and they mm -hmm. passed that on to me. And so I never really thought that that job should be commuting, sitting. Yeah, in actually, I mean, you're, because due to the topic of today's podcast, you're almost setting this up really well because what we want to do today is dive into what the 40 hour work week looks like now, because obviously right. a large portion of us are working from home. Right. Some of us have been laid off and then we have our really brave, uh, all the people in the service industry who are continuing to go out. Um, and I really do, uh, respect those people in the healthcare industry, the food and beverage yeah. um, and retail industries. But I think today, for the sake of the topic, we're probably going to stick closer to that nine to five type office job because so many um, yeah. of those people who held those positions transitioned to working from home. Right. And so I asked you this, and I was expecting at least one experience would be at a desk, but you totally shocked me. Um, and so then it kind of sets up for my next question because it sounds like you have worked from home kind of for most of your life in a way. I mean, you have a studio, you've reported to an office, but did you ever feel like you were monotonous? Right after I graduated from college at UCF uh, with my ad PR degree, I got a job with an advertising agency. And I guess that's the closest in my life to having a real nine to five because mm -hmm. I did have to show up from Monday to Friday from whatever it was, 8.30 to five or whatever. And mm -hmm. although I sat at a desk for a good proportion of that, it was a creative job. It was mm -hmm. often interrupted by going into the conference room and brainstorming ideas for a campaign or mm -hmm. searching through books for ideas of visuals because this, again, pre-internet days. So we're looking, we're doing advertising by finding examples and so you look through photo stock photo books or you'd um, go to the library and look at mm -hmm. reference materials and stuff you're like the romantic poets <laughs> all the Why? way back in that thoreau <laughs> going into nature for inspiration perhaps it was an office job it was nine to five but i don't feel like it was the nine to five that you always see portrayed in the movies mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. someone's staring at spreadsheets for eight hours a day do you know what i mean it was a yeah 
active like mentally. It was accountants. Right, like accountants. Sorry about that. All respect. I have accountant <laughs> friends. You guys amaze me. So yeah. no hate. Yeah, no, but the, the ADHD in me would not d- deal well with that. So the fact that I've always had a job where the, the task changed constantly. One minute mm-hmm. you're writing a headline, one mm-hmm. minute you're designing a layout, one minute you're, you're dreaming up full-blown campaigns, a radio spot. You know, yeah. it was always different stuff. You know, that's, it's funny because we, I think we may have just found a nice similarity between us because although I'm not sure I have ADHD, I do crave a dynamic workplace. Mm-hmm. And I am also interested in PR and marketing and any sort of creative outlets. I mean, I started babysitting when I was 11 years old. I remember I was 11 babysitting my eight-year-old neighbor and, and her parents hired me even though we played with each other in the neighborhood all the time. 11 and, years old, wow. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I was 11 babysitting three kids in the neighborhood and they'd be like, you're not the boss of us. And I was like, I'm getting 20 bucks for this. You know, as a, that was a huge deal for me, right? My first real job where I felt like I was really part of the workplace was in Memphis. And that's when I worked at a restaurant. I worked at The Rendezvous. (laughs) And it's one of the most famous, I would argue, because I love it. It is the most famous and the best barbecue in Memphis. There are some contenders, and I know my Memphis friends are going to argue with me. But that was my first real job. I was a hostess there. I worked four times a week in college, which was kind of a big deal. I remember I started working there the summer leading into my junior year of college. So that summer, I even worked more than four days a week. I think it was up to five. Um, And I was on my feet a lot and I was walking around. I had a lot of responsibilities. I remember feeling really good about it. Really felt good to be a part of something. Yeah. (laughs) And to get a paycheck, right? That wasn't my first nine to five. And I think it's actually funny that we are talking about this because my experience is just so vastly different from yours right now because being 23 years old well by the time everyone hears this 24 we'll be 24 it's still really young and I'm actually technically in my first nine to five right now I'm working for a nonprofit downtown in downtown Orlando it's called the downtown Orlando partnership and I have the role of marketing coordinator, but I would say uh, when you work at a nonprofit, especially a small one, you kind of wear many hats, right? So not only am I a marketing coordinator, I'm editor, I'm PR, and this is the craziest part. So I started full-time at DOP in February, in the last week of February, worked for about a week and a half, and then we went into quarantine. So (laughs) technically, all I know is work from home. I'm glad you said that. I didn't realize that you had worked such a short period of time in the office. Yep. Since quarantine started, how how did you adjust and how do you feel day to day? Well, in March, like everybody, we got shut down. And for about three months, we we hardly did any jobs at all Um, without the PPP funding, we would have probably had to lay off most of our staff. We have, mm-hmm. a, we have a team of four, including me. But because we got a little bit of government assistance to get through those three months with no work, we were able to keep everyone on staff. And then gradually, since about July, we've been 
back in the studio, socially distancing and safely sanitizing everything. But we're back to doing headshots and mm -hmm. video work. And my nine to five is all over the place, right? I'm mm -hmm. kind of always at work. If it's a Saturday morning, we just had a shoot this past Saturday. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'll have a Wednesday afternoon with nothing going on. So you're used to that a yeah, little bit. Nothing's really changed that much other than those months when we had no income at all. But mm -hmm. definitely. Yeah. And that's by design. And I think, I think that the fact that I don't know what the next day's work is going to look like mm -hmm. and, and every day is different. And sometimes I'm in the studio all day and sometimes I'm traveling all over the place. Um, and, and to yeah. me, that keeps it interesting for my crazy brain that can't concentrate. It, I need Well, I'm happy for you. Well, thank you. Because I think it sounds like you did have scary moments and moments of uncertainty, but yep. it sounds like right now, I mean, it wasn't a crazy adjustment for you. Yep. Whereas like I can think of, before I go into myself, I'll just speak, you know, you talked about like what your parents did when you were growing up and uh, my dad, he goes to work every day. He works in the legal industry. Mm -hmm. He is a judge. Right. He goes to work suit and tie every day. And I grew up watching him do that. Um, and my mother, she, she did, she had so many jobs, but once I was born, she kind of stayed at home. Mm -hmm. However, now she's working for the census. So everybody, I never had a personal tie to the census <laughs> before, but for the first time in my life, I'm, I guess I have to support it. Fill out your census. I remember for, for me growing up, my dad is a very hard worker and he taught me without even teaching me. He just taught me the principles of working hard, but staying balanced and to stay motivated, et cetera. However, in quarantine, I almost feel like it was good for him. For example, I saw him take a nap in the, during the daytime for the first time in years, right? Mm -hmm. I don't have those memories of my, of my dad right. kind of reposing. And mm. he's definitely not slacking off. And it's not a result of laziness. But sure. with a type of schedule of work from home, you can kind of take a breath. So for right. those individuals that were lucky enough to keep their job, to stay at home, there are pros and cons, right? And I, I remember that, that seeing my dad take a break really stuck out to me. It just made me so happy for him. I, I never really get to see him in moments like that because he works hard until 5 p.m., comes home, and then one of his hobbies is gardening. So he's right into the yard and the lawn. Mm -hmm. He loves it. Right. But it almost made me feel like, oh, my God, he's he's resting. I'm going to rest. <laughs> you know, like, right. he's Gave setting my example to take a break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does, yeah. So in a post COVID world, I mean, when the pandemic is gone and mm -hmm. we are able to be in the same room as each other without fear, what do you think is going to change? I mean, we're, we're talking productivity. We're talking 40 hour mm -hmm. work weeks. We're talking nine to five, Monday to Friday. Mm -hmm. Do you think that that paradigm that's been around since the industrial age, the end of mm -hmm. the 1800s. Mm -hmm. Do you think that still makes sense anymore? Or do you think well, everything's changing? I think, I think a lot of things are changing. I mean, first of all, in the building that I had an office in for uh, my current job, we haven't been in that office since March. And do we plan on moving back in? It doesn't really seem like it, right? We've turned off the Wi-Fi there. And according to other people involved in real estate, that are my friends, a lot of businesses are kind of taking away that office space that they once consumed. And right. I kind of want to tap into this idea of productivity 
because I'm seeing it differently now and I don't think I'm alone. And so I really would love feedback from anyone listening to this. I think pre-COVID, my idea of productivity in the workplace was to show up and get every task for that day done. So I have to be at work at nine, right? With traffic, maybe it takes me 30 minutes. So, and I like to work out in the morning. I'll get up at six, do my workout, rush home, shower, try and get some food. If I can't get food, then I have to stop for maybe a coffee on the way Mm -hmm. and a snack because there's nothing in the office. Um, get into the office (sighs) okay and start right and then go home and I'm tired with working from home I suddenly feel so in control of my schedule right for example those 20 minutes or even 10 minutes from the gym to home are eliminated and they're so valuable they're so much more valuable Mm -hmm. I can work out and hop on a zoom call or a phone call, right? And nobody knows that I'm in my workout clothes, but I'm still doing my job. Nothing is, you don't lose anything from that situation. The only thing is you gain something because you were able to successfully complete the task. Right. And I guess what I'm noticing is that I have more time for personal tasks that are productive to me. So productivity now working from home is all encompassing. It Productivity in the working from home situation does not just mean work related. It means self, right? So I know I'm more productive when I move my body. Um, I'm more productive when I eat a good breakfast. So because you can concentrate. mm -hmm. And these are things that I was eliminating just because there's this rule of "Mm, don't really get there. You can get there at 10, but 10 is the latest because, you know, we want to leave by six at the latest. Mm And okay, I'm rushing, I'm rushing, but now I had to. I didn't have time to make my breakfast, so I had to stop at Starbucks and I ate something and it made me feel sluggish because the food is, you know, it's fast food. and mm-hmm. It's little differences like that that I'm implementing into my routine Right. that makes such a difference. And I see it around me, you know. You are not alone. Everybody that has still kept their job but just changed the location of their job, I bet a huge majority of them are looking around going, you know what? I had a little bit faster internet service here at the house and maybe a more comfortable office chair. Mm -hmm. I can do everything I need to do right here from my house. Mm -hmm. Why do I need to go back to an office and think about what companies are looking at right now? Big corporations. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about little guys like us. Yeah. Big companies with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of workers on a single floor of a single building. Mm -hmm. And they're suddenly going to themselves, this place costs us how much to rent and air condition and security and cleaning and desks and chairs and phones and computers and yeah you know suddenly all that overhead goes away Mm -hmm. you give every employee a stipend for their home office and a little bit for their internet connection it makes great financial sense for a company to just distribute the workforce and say you know what we're not clogging the highways we aren't filling Mm -hmm. up parking garages we aren't putting carbon into the atmosphere Mm-hmm. Like the, the number oh, of advantages of this kind yeah. of work system. I can't tell you how many, and it's funny because you look back on these little inconveniences, but now suddenly I'm just realizing how happy I am without them. Yeah. So I remember when I worked for my PR internship, they, they gave me free parking, which was great, right? Yep. I'm thinking, great, free parking downtown. Ooh, wee, like, let's go. Yeah. And I get there and this is Florida. This is about a year ago now. So August in Florida, 
September in Florida is still kind of muggy. September, hopefully it kind of gets a little cooler, but still muggy. the worst part was wearing your work casual, business casual clothes, which personally I'm so happy I don't think I have to wear again in the near future. Yep. <laughs> Goodbye, Banana Republic. Okay. <laughs> so I get and I, I park in the parking garage and then I'm walking. I got free parking, but it was three blocks away. So I'm walking three blocks in my business casual in the August heat. By the time I get to the office, I have a nice sheen going on, right? Yep, yep. That's just eliminated now. Not only do I not have to worry about sweating through my makeup, Mm -hmm. I can hop on my Zoom call and this is just so funny. I don't know if you knew this about Zoom, but they have a touch-up button. Yep. So you can touch up your appearance (laughs) on those days where you feel especially off right and it's just it's it's such a change and I didn't realize how much I didn't like it until I realized I never had to do it again (laughs) right right and we're an unusual kind of business because there's a certain portion of our business where we need a studio we need a facility Mm -hmm. we need a place to go and for our clients to come to as well so in that way we're almost like a retail store in which yeah one of our employees Uh, Jamie or myself has to go in to photograph people and the customer has to come to us as well. Now Mm -hmm. we also bring the studio to clients when there's a large number of people, but we still have that parking and walking in the heat or the rain or the humidity or the wind or whatever, which Mm -hmm. when you're getting a headshot, none of those things are ideal. Um, But taking us out of the equation, I think that there are corporations all over this country that are rethinking that commercial office space. Mm -hmm. Not only are they rethinking that commercial space, here's the part where it kind of, it's almost like the question or the thing that I feel like everyone's been thinking, but no one wants to talk about. Do we really, does anyone really, really work for eight hours straight a day? Slash, should we be? Blasphemy. (gasps) (laughs) What are you saying? So, or like, are you this telling me you the, don't work for eight straight hours without <laughs> taking a break? And, you know, I used to, at first I'd feel guilty, Jim, because when we started working from home, I would get up at eight o'clock and I'd have an hour and I'd have my breakfast or do my workout and I'd go, okay, 9 a.m., let's go. Well, first of all, I don't have anywhere to clock into, right? So it's all right. accountability. And I'm thinking, wow, there's a lot of stuff that is just eliminated that takes up time. First of all, so that's Mm -hmm. uh, walking to pick up something, walking to a meeting. It's the the travel time as well as the the sort of interactions that you can cut out. And then I would start to feel guilty and think, oh, my God, I'm lazy or I'm unproductive. Like what? Uh, It's 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 2 p.m. only. And and I I still have. Yeah, I still have three more hours. And so I think in the beginning, I experienced guilt. And then, and then once I figured out how to manage things, and that involved working at night if it suited me, right? because there's this idea that I do have responsibilities and I have work and I will always get it done. Yep. But I just feel like I really want to know from the listeners out there. I know I have one friend who told me she does work eight hours straight in a day. She works for a law office and she right. works from home. She told me she did. And I was shocked. But the other people that I reached out to, they said they, they feel a lot better. They're happier because they can take more little breaks, even if that's mm-hmm. stretching. If that's, they can take their dog out more in the day. 
Oh, the they dogs are loving the pandemic, man. Yeah, dogs they are can, so happy. We are here all the time. They can play with their cat, you know? It's just, and you can still be a productive person. You can get stuff done. That's right. the best part. Nobody is, right. I think, none of my friends said, yeah, I, I can take my dog out on more walks, but I really stopped doing my work, you know? I'm about to get fired. I'm on bad terms with my boss. No, they're all, everybody's doing just fine. We're right. just kind of having this secret realization that's like, oh, what is nine to five? Right. <laughs> and then I, then I have my freelancer friends and people like you who are like, yeah, get in. We've been and doing this forever. Been doing this all long time. Yeah. Um, and, and something you mentioned about it gets to be two o'clock and you're kind of like, uh, I've got three more hours to go. Mm -hmm. I think, and, and this is, this is now I've been doing this since 1994, right? I haven't had a mm -hmm. boss since then. I, well, oh. I have, I've had clients all over the place, but I haven't yeah. checked into anybody else's company since 94. So 26 years of doing this has gotten me out of that idea of, I have to do a certain number of hours of work in order to get paid. And it's more mm -hmm. like, the faster and the more efficient I can be, the more I can make per hour or the more free time I can have, which yeah. both are good. That because is a form of pay, right? Of course it is. It's, it occurred to me the other day, somebody said something and I thought, we call it spending our time with somebody. Spending. Oh, we use yeah. the verb spend just like we do with money. We spend yeah. time. Time has mm -hmm. value. So the old time is money thing is absolutely true. But mm -hmm. also... If you're a self-employed person and assuming over time you get better at your job, meaning you can do the same thing that took you five hours when you started, you can do it in two hours now. Does that mean that you should only get paid for two hours? Or does that mean if you can do the same job then as you can do now and in less than half the time, you should do two of those jobs in that same time and get yeah. paid double? In other words, let's get out of the mindset of, you work for me for these number of hours and instead say you work for me to do these jobs. I don't care when you do them. I don't care mm -hmm. how long it takes you to do them, but when they're done, you're, you've done your job and now I'm mm -hmm. happy. So if you can get everything finished between 8am and noon every day, and you're accomplishing all the things that you, you're needed to as an employee, then why should you be penalized and have to sit at a desk for another four hours? I agree with you. And I do believe, though, that with every pro, there comes a con and vice versa. Right. Um, and so I do also want to touch on some, some somewhat negative things I've experienced since working from home. And that is all this talk about time management is great, but it's a double-edged sword in a way because I'm able to manage my time how I want and get things done when I want and feel good about it and feel productive. But I think people are experiencing that they don't know how to walk away from work when it's literally in your own bedroom even, mm -hmm. right? Like my desk, yeah. in the, it's not anymore, but it was in my bedroom and oh God, that will, that will mess up your head. So oh. I found that, you know, when you leave the office at five or six or whenever you're going home, it's kind of this un, unspoken rule of I'm out. I'm literally clocked out. I'm out for the day. So I'll see you tomorrow. And, you know, we don't really want to send emails pertaining to business affairs. Or if you do send an email later, you can say, no worries. Like, you don't need to answer this now. But I have experienced almost a disconnect where 
we're so used to working and when do the hours really end? Right. So sometimes mm -hmm. I kind of feel like I get a text that's work related and it's past when I would like to be working because I've, I've done what I've needed to do for that day, but someone's asking me a question and I respond to it, right? Because, okay, but then what if the next time I don't want to respond? I've already set the tone of I will respond to you at nine at night, right? And I yeah. think that it's not just me experiencing this. A lot of companies are finding that working from home is exhausting. As much as it is beneficial, it's also exhausting. Yeah. In fact, a, a business in downtown Orlando recently had a recharge day where they gave all of their employees a day off because of this exhausting nature of working from home and not being right. able to separate <clears throat> work right. and play. Let me jump in here. So what you're experiencing, and this is a, this is a weird sort of dichotomy I want to explore a little bit. So for those of us who've been freelancers or self-employed or sole proprietors, I've been doing this for years. There is no division between work, work life balance. It's all one. Like I answer the phone or the text and the email all hours of the day and night, but I'm working for myself. Mm -hmm. So I don't mind because if I get a text on a Saturday night while I'm out with my friends at eight o'clock at night and I'm having a great time, my phone goes off, I glance down and it's someone who says, hey, I want to hire you to do a job for me. Mm -hmm. I'll be like, hey guys, hold on a sec. Let me answer this real quick because mm -hmm. That's my business. That's my livelihood. That's what I do for a living. It's my passion, right? Yeah. Why I created a company. I have no problem answering that question at eight o'clock on a Saturday night with my friends around the room because it's what I do. It's what I live. It's, there is no separation for me between my work and my personal. It's all one big thing. Same with my mm -hmm. wife, Beth. She, she works 24 seven, but this is the difference. When you get a text at eight o'clock at night, it's not your company. When my employees get a text from me at nine o'clock at night, it's not their company. So they, I have to be really cautious about texting my employees on the weekends or when they're on vacation or when it's a day off or outside of working hours because they get paid 40 hours a week in big giant air quotes. Mm -hmm. They mm -hmm. get paid nine to five Monday to Friday and anything outside of that, now they're basically overtime. So it's, you're feeling the way a freelancer feels, but you don't get the benefits of owning the company. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Because when you get that text, and I think I would be excited if I were you, if you're getting a text from somebody saying, hey, I want to hire you, it's like, cha-ching, let's go, right? It's, it's partly the money. I won't lie. That's why we do this, right? But it's Especially also- Especially right idea, now. It's this idea that someone thought about me and wanted to hire me, and it's their time off too, right? Eight on a Saturday, most people aren't at work, but they have suddenly had this thought, oh, I need Macbeth to do that job. Let me send him a quick note. So it's almost like I feel obligated to write back and say, hey, thanks for thinking of me on a Saturday night. I'm also working and I'd love to, thank, I'd love to do that job for you. That goes away when it's not your company. Mm -hmm. That's a really good point because I don't think that I'm always thinking, oh, thanks for thinking of me. <laughs> right, thanks it's for rather... thinking of, of, of the DOP. I really appreciate that. Uh, well, because there's no, so there's no direct benefit to you, you know, unless it's a project that you're really invested in or something. Mm -hmm. there's, there's no real mm -hmm. benefit to you to just push that off till Monday. There's no harm. Yeah. In that. I don't care. I'll wait till Monday. I don't get upset at every text I get past 5 or 6 p.m. at all because a lot of me 
is passionate about what I do, but I think I and my whole team are kind of navigating it still. Everybody kind of is the people that aren't freelancing, you know, we're kind of navigating that path of what, what feels okay and what doesn't, where's my time best spent, et cetera. Um, But it definitely has been interesting so far. And I think you just brought up such a good point with that dichotomy. It all, that makes a lot of sense. I, sometimes I'm guilty of asking my employees to do things without even thinking about what I'm asking. It's like a Saturday mean? morning and my, my brain kicks into, Oh, there's that job. And so I'll just text Jackie and say, Hey, where are we on that one thing? Did you ever hear back from this lady? I don't know what Jackie's doing on a Saturday morning, but I know she's probably not worried about what that lady <laughs> wanted on, you know, mm-hmm. earlier in the week. Mm-hmm. And, to her credit, she's usually really good about getting back to me. But then I go, oh, wow, this is, this is probably stepping over the line. And mm-hmm. when you're a small company and you're all friends and as well as being coworkers, you know, mm-hmm. it's like easy to forget that line of Jackie gets paid by Macbeth. And from Friday afternoon until Monday morning, it's really not her responsibility. That's not her. She's outside of her jurisdiction at that point. Yeah. So as an employer, and this is an, you know, this is another thing, not only are we 30 years apart, but you're an employee and a newer one at that. And I'm an employer. So I'm looking at this from kind of like the other side of the desk from you. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I'm trying to navigate this. How do I get the best job for the clients without overstepping my bounds or asking my employees mm-hmm. to do things that is really not really fair? Well, it's good that you're conscious about being fair and, what your boundaries are because there are definitely employers that aren't at that point yet i think with working from home so kudos thank you (laughs) to that and um i think we're probably going to see a uh a wave of software that is going to allow you to say my job is these hours and outside of that i don't get any text except personal and i don't get any mm -hmm. email except personal and Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like kind of like yeah helping people compartmentalize their work life and keeping it away. Because once the, mm-hmm. once the phone dings, now it's your job to decide, do I answer it or not? But if your company has agreed, you're never going to hear from us unless mm-hmm. it's an emergency, the building's on mm-hmm. fire or something. And then Monday morning when you check in, there's all the emails that came in over the weekend. In other words, taking that decision away from the employee, which isn't really fair to ask them to make in the first place. And if you're like me and you're sensitive to other people's emotions, you're going to receive a text that's asking you a question about work on a Saturday night and you're going to think, oh God, I don't want to come off as rude. <laughs> so I better respond. Right. That's and that's, def- that definitely plays into my feelings. And I don't think that's fair to put that burden on the employee to ask, to, to answer it. I think it would be better for the company to have a policy that says, any emails that come to you from this source get routed to a place that you can't even see them mm-hmm. until Monday morning, unless you go hunting for it, in which case then you've made the yeah. decision already. To be fair, my employer, I think, is doing a really great job. So part of this, I was worried that I was coming off as unhappy, but I really am quite happy and I'm really thankful that I have an understanding employer who wants to work with my team. I really couldn't be more grateful. Right, right. And I think... The, the, the conversation that we just had is happening in thousands of businesses across this country and everyone's trying to navigate this new uh, work world, as it were. One more point that I want to kind of 
dive into about separating work from play is a new thing that businesses have done, you know, with their employees, people are losing morale, maybe losing motivation, maybe feeling sad. So what are employers doing? Having online events like virtual happy hours. Sounds fun, but I do have friends that, you know, let's say I've spent a few of my Friday nights doing virtual game nights, right? And I have a friend that says, oh, you know, I can't, I can't make it at five. I got to wait till eight because I have a virtual happy hour with my company. And they're kind of eye rolling and they're eye rolling because they're thinking I spent all day on Slack or uh, mm-hmm. emailing you. I've been talking to you all day and now we have a happy hour. It's almost like exhaustive. But the company's goal is to just be, you know, friendly and keep it light. But maybe what they're not realizing is the people who work for them just want to shut the computer off now. Right. There's this virtual meeting fatigue, right? Looking at these kind of screens. And for those out there who are listening to us, Molly and I record on Zoom. So yes, this is another Zoom call for Molly. (laughs) Sorry to have to make you go through this again, Molly. (laughs) I'm traumatized. I know. But yeah, the people who are arranging virtual happy hours should perhaps sort of think about, do we really want to ask them to do more mandatory stuff online? Maybe just say, look, go take a walk with your family and shut your computer down. That'd be a happy hour. I want to hear from you guys. Where, where does the line get drawn for you, our listeners? And if you're working from home or even if you can just put this uh, scenario in your head, what are you comfortable comfortable with? Because I think personally for me, it it does kind of get uh, exhaustive perhaps if it were to be all the time on zoom, especially, Oh God. Well, we certainly talked about this and really dove deep today, uh, but we still want to hear from you guys. We really value, value your opinions. And at the end of the day, I still don't know how I feel about working from home. I think, like I said, I'm making process progress on it, but we want to hear from you guys. And you can reach us at hello at zoomboompod.com. That's our email. You can send us a message and your thoughts. You can also find us on Twitter at zoomboompod. So we look forward to getting your feedback. Now, Jim, I want to know, what should I get into this week? What did you see this week that made you laugh, made you think? I the best know new thing I've seen this week, mm-hmm. actually heard about on one of my other favorite podcasts, is something called goldbelly.com, G-O-L-D-B-E-L-L-Y.com. Mm. And it is essentially a, an organization that has gathered together specialty foods from all over the country and helps them ship from one place to another. So you can order uh, crab cakes from Maine and you can order, um, you know, New Orleans specialties and you can order cheese from Wisconsin and you can, you can go there and you can send these things as gifts and they're all packaged properly so that they arrive safe and, you know, fresh and ready to go. So if you have a favorite food from a part of the country that you haven't been able to go to, you know, like maybe you like barbecue from the South somewhere. Rendezvous. In yes. Memphis. From rendezvous from Memphis. Maybe you can order some barbecue from them. So wow. goldbelly.com was my cool thing I heard about today. Thanks Jim. Sure. What you got? Well, I would say lately I've been as if you don't need any more podcasts. So I'm super, (laughs) I apologize in advance. If you don't care about podcasts, we'll see you next week. Don't listen to this. But (laughs) I 
want to recommend a podcast that I've dove into from the New York Times and Serial. It's called Nice White Parents. And I just think it's a great piece of audio journalism and it dives into the history of this public school in Brooklyn. And it's a five-part series. And I really just think that the journalist, it's uh, her name, Chana Jaffe-Walt. I don't know if you're familiar with her, but she just does a fantastic job of interviewing all these personalities that are intertwined with this one public school in Brooklyn. And it really, it's about one school, but it tells the story of kind of the narrative of this country. So if you have any interest in education in public administration or affairs, um, journalism, and really just good storytelling, you should listen to Nice White Parents. And then finally, next week, Miles, we are going to tackle the concept of the internet as a utility. Oh like, yeah, we are. Like the water company or like the electrical company. In other words, a guaranteed resource, not that's free, but that the government mandates has to be provided to every home in the country. And in the pandemic, a lot of changes have happened and suddenly internet access has become a critical need. So we're going to dive into some of that next week. Yep. It'll be a fun one. So join us next week. It'll be out Friday morning. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for joining us. That's Molly. Well, that's Jim. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>